0: longest running and I think best shows here at Freight Waves is Freightonomics. And we sit down with our head of freight market intelligence, Zach Strickland, and Anthony Smith, our chief economist, on Thursday afternoons as they attempt to blend the sometimes conflicting worlds of freight and economics. And I had the pleasure to get to sit down with them as they recapped their 2023 and brought us what they think the new year is going to deliver. Okay, so we are here on our Freight Waves Now 2023 review show and I'm sitting at the Freightonomics desk with two of our market experts, our chief economist, Anthony Smith, and of course our head of freight market intelligence, Zach Strickland. And I've got to say it's nice to be on the Freightonomics desk because I feel like I am the third smartest person in the room right now. And with you guys, of course, Freightonomics airs on Thursday afternoons. It's freight, it's econ mashed together. Today, we're going to be talking about that from a full year perspective, and we're going to kind of talk about where we've been in 2020, 2023, and maybe not so much as where we're going, but just kind of where we've ended up to end the year. So Zach, I'm going to start with you because the words freight recession basically define all of 2023, right? And that's a landing point, but it's like a soft landing point for us now.
1: Yeah, I I don't know about soft for anybody that's (laughs) in the space. I think any transportation service provider will tell you the same thing. 2023 thank god it's over. Yeah. <laughs> um and and it's largely due to the fact that we were in an oversupply situation and you know one of our data points uh displays this probably better than any instance O try uh the outbound tender rejection index which is basically just telling us whether or not uh yeah if you want to pull it up they it, whether or not carriers are accepting requests to cover their freight uh, from the shippers and it's been, you can see the white line there. This is the last five years and it is, it is extremely low. This has been the softest single year from a transportation service provider uh, perspective, even though demand has actually not been as bad as it could have been. Mm
0: -hmm. That's a really great because we all know that a lot of what was going to happen this year was going to hinge on the resiliency of the American consumer, right? And we sat here Mm -hmm. at this time in 2022, wondering how much more money can the American consumer legitimately spend, specifically because we were looking at higher interest rates going into 2023. We were talking about the reinstatement of those student loan payments, which started kind of the late summer, early fall. And we were just wondering, like, how much debt is the consumer willing to take on? What does discretionary spending look like? And Anthony, I think I said this last year when we did this. I said the American consumer knows how to do one thing, and that is spend money <laughs> in the economy. And that hasn't changed at all.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you ask the question, how much money can Americans spend? It's all of it and then some. The limit
0: does not exist. It doesn't
2: <laughs> exist. If you have that Amex card, they just keep climbing and climbing. And that's the concerning thing because, um, of course, we're starting to hear concerns around, you know, recession, no recession. The big talking point was recession this year. Now, it's a lot of talking points around uh, and I keep saying this you know a soft landing which I am hoping for a soft landing and I don't know everything that would kind of go into it whether it just kind of be delaying the inevitable but also right now would be the wrong time to call for a soft landing if we just came off of the peak of of, of a potential GDP reporting number mm-hmm. of over five percent in the third quarter now is not to say all right the, the game's been won we're potentially at halftime here and so Going into the first quarter here, I think there can be some dangers in thinking that, okay, we've already did it, we've already won, everything's secure, and consumers continue to spend as they have been with uh, spending on, of course, goods and services. Services especially, thanks, Taylor Swift throughout the summer of 2023 and then going into some of that holiday spin in the latter half of the year. it's
0: Almost like a false sense of security, right? Definitely. Okay. Okay. So of course, you know, this leads into the conversation about inventories and coming into this year, a lot of companies were really kind of stacked on their inventories. And we saw a lot of this de-stocking trend going on and it led to this question of demand planning. And everybody was like, Man, we really kind of overshot our expectations for this. Looking at inventory, Zach, for where we ended up the year, do you think that now moving into 2024, people are a little bit more cautious? Did they get it right with some of that destocking, or are we at a point where, again, we just don't know?
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> inventory was kind of the thing that we entered the year thinking, okay, we think the market is going to turn because this destocking will have flushed out by the end of the year. Uh, the problem with that is nobody really talked about how much additional capacity grew. So it, it's it's the inventory situation is still pertinent. And I think moving into next year, it will still be a pertinent thing, but it's because transportation capacity is so cheap. Like they can get away with this just in time style demand planning mm-hmm. versus that just in case demand planning that characterized the majority of 2021. Uh, and I guess the first part of 2022. So you know, from my perspective, from a freight uh, management perspective, like I think this sets us up for some additional risk in 2024, because if you're sitting there and you're you're used to getting service and uh, capacity whenever you want it at a relatively cheap subdued price, and then all of a sudden there's a spike in demand, like I missed it. Uh, I think the later we get into 2024, the more likely we are to see a significant capacity crunch event.
0: So with all this continued transportation capacity that's on the market, we know that we have seen a lot of folks exit, whether that's from a smaller carrier perspective, a lot of owner operators who are saying, I can't afford to keep running with our rates this depressed. And with the fact that diesel fuel was really high to start the year and that just operating costs in general have been a little bit higher. Do we still need to see this mass capacity exit before we start to see the flip of the market next year?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's still a long way to go. I think this is going to be a rough winter. Uh, I mean, when you look at some of the, the authorities data. the carrier details data that we have, and compare it to the outbound tender volume index, tender volumes are actually up about 14 15% since Mm -hmm. pre-COVID levels. Now, COVID's kind of that anomalous year of huge demand, but... uh, And that's... If I'd have told you that, that would have been like, oh my gosh, it must be a super crazy transportation (laughs) market. But it's ignoring the fact that operating authorities grew by 41% (laughs) during that period of time. And so... We still got a long way to go. I mean, I think I did a, a chart on freight uh and it showed our accepted volumes. So at the peak demand point in late 2021, we were accepting roughly about 12% more freight under contract than we were in the uh, middle of December of this year. Mm-hmm. So we're actually not like in March of this year, we're talking about 30% gap Now we're all the way back to a 12% gap. So, and why that's important is that's kind of the theoretical threshold limit of how much freight carriers can handle. So we're about 12% below late 2021. Now, capacity has grown (laughs) since that period of time. We're still net quite a few uh, operating authorities, but I still think we've got a long way to go. But that demand side, if it holds up at this level, we're very, very close.
0: (laughs) So Anthony, I'm gonna take us on a complete pivot from that conversation about transportation <laughs> capacity. And we're going to move to kind of global economics as a whole right now. There was this kind of really big dialogue, I guess, going on about a, a divergence from a true global economic model and more of a reliance on this regional model, right? We've talked about nearshoring, reshoring, about those trends like that. And we are still seeing some big time influence from major geopolitical events. When we look at the global economy as a whole, Obviously, we know that the war with Russia-Ukraine is a big issue. The war in Israel is a big issue. We have now these environmental impacts going on. Was there a big world event that you think had kind of a turning point or an inflection point on the global scale of the economy this year? Or is there something that we need to maybe look out to happen soon?
2: I think it's been an ongoing thing. So um, throughout COVID, we got kind of fixated on COVID, but anything before COVID didn't stop or slow down. Essentially, the world stopped for sure. But there were still some structural issues going on, and then we kind of go into the next thing, and we see Russia, Ukraine, and that doesn't mean that COVID came to an end. But the news cycle definitely stopped talking about it. And then we see, of course, what happened with Israel, Palestine. That doesn't mean that the COVID impacts are now gone, or inflation is finished, or that Ukraine and Russia is now over. Is just adding on to everything else. So I think there wasn't one huge thing this year, but I think it continues to compile and and add on to each other. And I think. That big thing is really starting to weigh on, I think, the overall macroeconomy as a whole. Not really, most so in this overall numbers, but I think in just what people's minds are on and then really what's really being paid attention to in terms of a problem being solved or issues being worked towards. I
0: think it's interesting that, cause that is kind of the mindset, right? Is that something stops, it happens, we stop talking about it, so it doesn't exist anymore, but it still exists in right. the background and with its impacts. So looking at the year as a whole, and we'll kind of round it out here, Winners and losers, either from a company perspective or an industry perspective, or even just like a segment of transportation perspective. Who is your winner? Who is
1: your loser? Uh, The LTL market. Uh, The carriers are still in the space. Uh, The LTL market was, they got a get out of jail free car when (laughs) when Yellow exited. Now, Yellow, anybody in Yellow would disagree with that uh, generally, but it's, that space has kind of got a a nice little buffer Mm -hmm. from the grotesque market conditions for all the other transportation service providers. Even Maritime didn't get a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so they 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 were able to keep their rate increases in place. They actually got rate increases this year, which is something they were not expecting to do, uh, not in the scale that they got them so far. So I think they got the, the Ws there. The losers, uh, I think brokerages overall, yeah. uh, were definitely the ones that felt this year the hardest of anybody else. Um, Carrier's obviously a close second (laughs) in that that situation, but the brokers I think had one of the worst years in their existence, just because of the nature of the volatility swinging so hard one direction. They don't have, you know, all this, the tender rejection rates being as low as they were meant there was nothing left for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And with uh, a lot of the shippers out there being snake bit, from the pandemic era where brokers didn't have control of the assets now the, a lot of those shippers bled back into a carrier that is now very very capable of handling all of their business yeah. and that really hurt the uh, the brokers ability to get volume
0: so winner ltl loser the brokers anthony winner for you loser for you
2: i think there's been plenty of losers throughout <laughs> 2023 um of i think when you're looking at of course, you have to look at the financial market, Silicon Valley. That was a very scary time, I think, uh, throughout 2023 that we've happened. And I think people forgot about it.
0: The SVP bank failure? Yes, I, I that was genuinely forgot about it. Until just <laughs> that now. was a
2: huge one. And then this was just an example of what we've been talking about. So I would say that there are um, areas like that. Um, but I think with the guys that are winning right now, we're looking at companies that have been able to keep their financials under control and continue to continue to push forward. I think on the macro side, we're looking at consumers, a lot of people that are in position to be, I would say, I don't want to say losers, but at risk, don't know they're at risk just yet, because mm-hmm. I think there is so much of a mentality that, hey, you know what, uh, we've beaten this uh, inflation thing. There's no recession. And I think those are going to be folks that are going to be at risk the greatest once we get into 2024.
0: Well, guys, thank you for being here for this recap of Freightonomics 2023. Of course, we can catch the show Thursday afternoons right here on Freightwaves TV, wherever you listen to your podcasts and on our YouTube channel. We'll see you guys in the new year.